Ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Real Mission Impossible show with Coach MJ. Are you ready? We search the globe for the most amazing people who have overcome incredible obstacles, demonstrated amazing resilience, and done the impossible. I said, are you ready? May the real life heroes of Mission Impossible from around the world be inspired, be motivated. Join, Join the, the real, real Coach, Coach MJ. MJ on the Real Mission Impossible show. Brent Archibald, survivor of a man lost at sea, uh, Actually, nobody ever thought they'd ever see him again, and especially Brett, probably. Uh, he's very kind enough to join us today from South Africa. Uh, Mr. Brett Archibald, the man who was lost at sea. Thank you so much for coming on, Brett. Hello, Mike, and it's great to catch up with you again, buddy. It's been, been 10 years, and in, in between that, I went on a very long swim. In fact, the longest swim in the history of mankind. Yes. 28 and a half hours. We'd like to hear about your little swim. What what prompted you to jump into the ocean? At what time? Uh, yeah, it's, was... it's actually it's actually really funny. The guy I was helping, and I'll go back to that part later. But when when he and I are together, we're really good buddies. And when when I when I introduce him, I say, "This is the bloke that pushed me overboard." And when he introduces me, he says, "This is my mate who just jumped overboard and didn't even say goodbye." <laughs> Yeah, so we were, it was 2013, we, we were a bunch of, of mates, 10, 10 school buddies that had been going for the last, in fact, from our 40th, we all turned 40, I was running RCI in Europe at the time when we went on our first one, and we just decided we don't see each other enough and we need to go on these surf trips, so you know the east quite well, the, the Mentawi's uh, archipelago of islands is one of the most famous, awesome surf spots in the world. So we started in, in God, I don't even know what year that was. Uh, 90, 2002 was our first one. And we were, we'd been going every two years. Most, most, most of the time, the same 10 blokes. But every now and then, two or three would change. And this year was a lot of the guys were celebrating their 50th birthday that year. And in fact, one of our buddies was his 50th was in the middle of that week that or the two weeks that we were traveling. And he had got special permission from his wife and kids. And so we headed off. I mean, we came from all parts of the world, Mauritius, New York, London, Dubai, Durban, Cape Town, Johannesburg and Australia. So we all flew into Jakarta to meet there. I'd traveled on my own. And it was just, you know, it was one of those things. I'd, I'd obviously left the, the, the um, real estate and timeshare industry and moved back to Cape Town in South Africa. I'd got into a manufacturing company uh, doing roofing and stuff. I don't know why I did that, but I had done that. And it was, hey, Mark, it was just really a strange time. My business was in serious trouble. South Africa was enduring the whiplash of the, the financial crisis at the time. Lots of businesses were in trouble. And I really just got, I, I knew something was wrong in my business. I uncovered a massive fraud and I realized I could not survive it. I mean, in, in, from a financial perspective. So I was going to wind the company up. And I remember sitting with my wife a week to go. And I said, look, I can't go on this surf trip. I got to phone the guys and cancel and tell them I'm not coming. 
long story short, I did that. And they were going, no, you've already paid. You've got to come. And interestingly, my, my wife, my amazing, I've got, I'm married to my, the, my best friend. And she sat me down and said, look, there's nothing you can do. Go on the surf trip. Go away for two weeks. Clear your mind. Come back and we'll take it on from there. So I phoned the guys back and I said, okay, I'm coming. And we had a family wedding. And it's just, it's, this story is so radical because it's a story about coincidence, a story about synchronicity. It's a story about friendships. It's a story about things like higher level stuff that if it hadn't happened, I wouldn't be uh, chatting to you today. But the morning we had this wedding out in, in, in the wine lens of Cape Town. Um, Anita is my wife's younger cousin was getting married to an Australian bloke. And we went out to this wedding. We had a great time and, but very little sleep. I hadn't been sleeping well anyway. And I headed off to the airport with Anita in the morning. It was so weird. As I, as we got to the airport, I said, I don't know why I said this to her. I said, I, I need to talk you through all our finances, you know? And she said, this is not our, this is not our story. I'm not getting involved. I just want to sit and be with you before you fly. Anyway, I got on this plane and I flew and traveled for 58 hours. I went through, I was going to do some business in Singapore on the way back. So I flew Cape Town, Johannesburg, Singapore, Jakarta, Padang to get on the boat and meet, meet the guys. But interestingly, we had one of the 10 of us. Um, so I'd bailed and then got back on board. Another mate who lives in Dubai, he runs a big construction company over there. He phoned us on the Friday to say that he had uh, been diagnosed with stage four melanoma, terminal cancer. So he had to be operated on. So he wasn't coming on the trip. So it was a pretty morose bunch of guys. You know, we were only nine now. A friend of ours had passed away the week before and his funeral was going to be at a time. None of us could be there. So we got on this boat and we headed out to sea. Um, and just as we got there, everything started going wrong. We should have got on the boat. We landed 11 or 10 a.m. We should have been on the boat in 11 sailing. The skipper taken the boat up the river instead of into the, the, the harbor. So we were tide dependent. We could only set sail at 9 p.m. that night. Anyway, so we had a grumpy bunch of guys. We got on the boat. We set sail down the river at about 7 p.m. But we all ate pizza instead of eating the wonderful Indonesian food. And that was in order for the chef to help the skipper and the boat crew so we got takeouts. Don't ever have takeouts in Indonesia. <laughs> we got these calzone pizzas. And I, I still, I cannot eat pizza. I can't look at pizza. I can't go in a pizza restaurant anymore. But we wolfed down these pizzas and they were just horrible, horrible, horrible. Anyway, long story short, we hit the ocean. The storm started coming through. The rain came down. And... Most of us went down to our bunks and started unpacking our boards and kit and stuff. And I went to, I, I, hadn't, I hadn't contacted Anita, I hadn't phoned her. And I went down, I was in my cabin and I said to my friend, I, I was operating on a Blackberry in those days. And I looked at my Blackberry and I didn't have signal. I'd sent a BBM, it hadn't gone through. Anyway, I went to sleep and I woke up literally at 1.30 with the front, the bow of our boat just smashing into these waves. And I was in the front bunk with my, with, my, with my cabin mate. And I said to I woke up and I said, hey, buddy, and I, I've never been seasick in my life. I've never, I mean, I grew up in the ocean. So 
very comfortable on boats, very comfortable in the ocean. And I wake up and I say to him, oh, this is a really bad storm. And he agrees and we start laughing because we've got two, two young guys on board who, who've never, well, not young, same age as us, but they've never been on a surf trip. So they were popping tablets to stop, prevent seasickness and stuff. So, and then I needed to go to the bathroom. And I climbed up this little ladder and I get to the passage and I see a mate of ours running down the passage with the screwdriver in his hand. And I hear, help me, help me, help me. And I think, what is this noise? And I stop and I say, Mark, what's going on? He says, help me. And we bust this door open. And what had happened was this big, big giant friend of mine, he had eaten half the pizza. He'd also woken up feeling horrific. And the sight that greeted me was this bloke just emptying his toiletry bag onto the floor and just vomiting this black, black bile into this toiletry bag. And I remember... I just said, I, I, I was not a good buddy. I had to get to the bathroom before him and I just gapped it down. And literally the same thing happened to me. As I went into the, the, the head of the boat, I just exploded. I, I mean, I started vomiting. I had diarrhea. I was sitting on this toilet. I had a little handheld shower thing. I was just washing my body. And I was there for about 45 minutes and I knew I needed fresh air. And I walked to the back of the boat. So instead of going back to my cabin, I walked out the boat and found my mate. He was lying there. He just had a bowl. And he was just vomiting. And I noticed he was vomiting blood. And I said to him, we've got to get to the top deck. And we climbed up this little ladder to the top deck. And he just collapsed onto, there, there were benches and a table. And he said, please find out how long we've got to go. And I walk in the skipper's cabin and I look down and I see... On the little GPS system, it's little green dot tracing along. I see we are only halfway into this crossing, which is a, it's a hundred mile crossing. We're only halfway into it. I look at the time, it's 2.25 a.m. We were meant to be arriving on the other side at 4.35 and being in the water at six o'clock having our first surf. And I said to the skipper, buddy, what's going on? And he said, Mr. Brett, big storm, big storm. A boat very slow and I didn't know I mean five boats had gone out that night four had gone back because of the severity of the storm but our guide chosen to carry on anyway I go back to tell my mate there's a small ice box there so I go esky so I grab him a coke and I get a coke because I've been sick he's been sick and I give him a coke and I start drinking a coke and he says how long we've got to go and I said the skipper told us 14 hours and he says, no way, buddy, no way. I cannot do 14 hours. I said, nor can I. Anyway, I finished my Coke and he starts being sick again. And I just, I watch him being sick and I just feel this bile coming again. So I walk to the railing and I'm holding on the damn railing and the boat is going all over the place. And I think, oh my God, I am feeling horrific. And another mate comes up to see how we're doing. And he says, how are you doing? And I said, Ridgie, I think I'm going to die. I've never felt so sick in my life. And next minute, I just vomit. And this Coke comes out, just the spray. I'll never forget. I'm holding on these two railings. And I vomit once, twice. And I, all I remember the third time, I actually went onto my, my, my haunches. You know, I was holding the railing. And I thought, if I vomit like that again, I'm going to black out. And the next thing, Mike, I woke up. I was in this dream. And they figured I'd fallen 
oh, I don't know, 12, 15 feet over the side of the boat. I'd hit the water. I was unconscious, though. I'd, my vagus valve had shut because I was doing internal damage, and I just blacked out. I got sucked under the boat. I went through two propellers, tumbling through the water. And I, it was so weird because I was in a dream. I was tumbling through this white water. My head popped up, and I thought I was in a washing machine. It was the weirdest thought. You know those big industrial washing machines? I thought someone had put me in one of those, chucked a pile of, of washing soap in, and I was just tumbling around. And I thought, this is so cool, you know, boom, boom, bubbles. And then my head popped up. And I, I, I mean, it's seven years on, and I, there's, not, I, there's not a word to describe that moment, mate. I, I, my head popped up, and I remember looking, all this white water hitting me in the face, but then I, this wave went past my head, and I saw our boat. And it was maybe, I don't know, 40 foot in front of me. I could see Banger, my mate, lying there. The lights were on. I could see the night guy, the guy that I'd spoken to, he was sitting there, he was fast asleep. And next minute, the little tender boat that we were towing behind came past my head. I mean, it was a tin boat. How it didn't hit me and crush my skull, no one knows. And I just, I look, I mean, there are no words. I still, to this day, incredulity, crazy. I mean, it was just, no, no. And I remember I just put my, I thought, I've got to catch that tin boat. I put my head down. I just swam. I, I, I don't think I did more than 10 strokes. I lifted my head up, and that boat was now 20 yards in front of me. The main boat was another 20 yards, and they were gone. They just sailed into the night. Suddenly, they were there for a while, like watching them. The storm was so bad. I mean, the waves kept washing over and just pushing me down. I just had a, a T-shirt and a pair of board shorts on. And I, I can tell you, I knew in that moment, that's where my life ended. I, I knew, without a shadow of a doubt, this is where I died. It's just horrible, 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 horrible. And, you know, in that moment, I, I screamed. I screamed. I, I thought my lungs were going to actually come out of my throat. I screamed, hey, guys, hey, in the hope that someone would see me. And they just kept sailing. And then suddenly it was pitch black. But interestingly, the sea is never, never, never pitch black. You know, it, it's, there's so much happening. You know, I was very fortunate. I mean, it was, it, the storm, as crazy as it sounds, really helped me. The next day, the sun didn't come out. Um, it was cloudy. There was a lot of rain. So there were times I was swimming in the water and just trying to line my back and make a funnel and get water, fresh water in my mouth. But it was just a coin for 28 and a half hours. That sea just pounded me and pounded me and pounded me and pounded me and pounded me. And there were just like weird things happen. I gave up. I'm not proud of it, but I gave up eight times. I mean, I just had no more fight left. And I, I said my goodbyes to my family, to my wife, to my kids, to my mum, to my brothers, my sisters. I said, guys, I'm done. I'm going. And every time that I made that decision, something happened. You know, I was stung by blue bottles. I was bumped by sharks. I was eaten by seagulls. I mean, seagulls I still have a lovely scar across my nose here and my eye. I mean, these seagulls are dive bombing me. It was just horrific, man. I, <laughs> you, 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 I've got to send you a personal copy of my book. You've got to read my book, man. It's just a crazy, crazy story. I'm just overwhelmed. I have, you know, how can I, how can I interrupt and ask any questions when I'm still taking this on in total awe? It's just, 
unfathomable how someone could endure this. And here we were, we were with you in the water as we watched the 10 boat go 20 meters in front of you and you shouting and screaming and nobody could hear you. There was a storm, there was wind, they were going the wrong way. You know, they, and they just kept sailing. I mean, no one saw me. It was 2.30 a.m. in the morning, pitch dark, wild ocean. They kept going. And they only got to the, they got to the harbor of Tua Pajet, which is on the other side, on the Mentawi side, at 10.30 a.m. So I've now been in the water for eight hours already. And they, they walking around the boat. The boat's anchored. And they're walking around the boat and they're looking out and it's dismal and it's raining. And they, the one guy says, hey, has anybody seen Brett? I, I mean, I've got a loud voice. I, I make, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> with my mates. I'm always causing havoc and playing pranks and causing trouble. And, and my mate had come up and said, how are you guys doing? He said, hey, guys, I saw Brett on the, on the railing at about two o'clock in the morning. I haven't seen him since. And, and my mate who I was helping... Benoit Manga, he's from Mauritius. This poor guy, they all turn on him and they say, Benoit, you were with Brett, where is he? And he goes, guys, I don't know. I, I, I was in my own hell, man. I was just vomiting blood. And he says, I remember Brett went, I asked him to find out how long we've got to go. He came out and told me we've got 14 hours. He, he got me a Coke, but I couldn't drink it. He drank a Coke. I remember him going to the railing and then he spoke to Mark. But after that, I don't remember. And then they start searching the boat. And they walk all around this boat. I mean, my one mate still, still, still talks about he, the, the shock of it, knowing, he, he said he knew I wasn't on board, but he was opening drawers in the, in the, in the galley and like their knives and forks. And he's going, Brett, are you in here? And Just trying to figure out, yeah, how is yeah, this Yeah, in the, the shock. And then they started searching the boat to say, is there any blood? Is, I mean, they don't know, you know. Some of the guys thought I had um, blacked out and hit my head and got gone overboard. Interestingly, I mean, so the eight guys left on board. My daughter had written me a note for every night that I was away. That was our first night um, that we on the boat. So I get into bed and I put my, my passport and my travel documents all together. And in it are these little... 14 notes and the first one reads she just wrote she was nine years old she writes you are my hero and i want to follow in your footsteps till the day i die so i read this and i think oh my baby put it down next to me i go to sleep i wake up i go to the top board i fall overboard my mates now after one hour realize i'm not on board i haven't gone surfing somewhere i haven't gone to shore and they're trying to work out and trace back so the skipper goes to now he has, to, he has to record in the Port Authority that he's got a man overboard. So he goes off to the, the Port Authority in the little tin boat. The guys are searching. They're preparing the boat to turn around and just go back to look for me. One of my mates is a helicopter pilot and a, and a skipper. So he's got the charts out and he's plotting where we come from. And he says, okay, we just, we're going to follow. Now, my mates have all owned up. I mean, four of them we're convinced I was alive. The other four, we're not so sure. But the one guys get sent down to find out if my insurance policy covers search and rescue. So he goes down to my bed and he looks and he finds this note from my daughter. 
Now, he has also spoken to me the night before. I've shared with him that my business is in trouble. I'm probably going to wrap it up. Um, I'm going to liquidate it. And he, in his mind, reads this as a suicide note. So he puts it in his pocket and he goes to the top deck. Now, he doesn't want to say anything, so he keeps his mouth shut. The skipper comes back, they turn around, and they head out on the same track. Mark, I'm now in the ocean. I know without a shadow of a doubt my mates are going to come back. So I remember saying, okay, what did that skipper say? He said 14 hours. You know, he'd said 10 hours. But I said, I'm not going to have a good case scenario. I'm only going to have a worst case scenario. Worst case scenario, 14 hours. How do I stay alive for 14 hours? So I devised all these things, swimming, uh, tracking, counting. But my mate comes to the top deck. He's one of the guys who now is convinced that I've committed suicide. So they head out into the ocean. They head out into this. It was the worst storm in 35 years in the Mentawi Strait. They head back into the storm. I'm in this water. I'm swimming. I'm creating. I'm singing songs. Mate, I can't tell you. I... Everything I'm doing is a positive. If a negative comes in, I just flip it into a positive. I'm counting. It's so weird because I run out of energy. And I didn't think I'd been in the water that long. It's just, it's, it, you know, it gets light there about 4.30 a.m. So I knew I'd fallen over around about 2.30. It's a little bit light. And I can see, but the sun doesn't come up because it's so cloudy in the storm. So I can see the, the, the sun trying to break the, 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 like, like the horizon. And I think, okay, it's getting light now. So it must be, I've probably been in the water two hours, but I just run out of energy. And the weirdest thing happens. I, I had fallen over with a t-shirt on and a, and a pair of board shorts. I've taken my t-shirt off because interestingly, the, the, the tropical rainstorm, the water drops are so big. When they're pelting on my head, they damn sore. So I take my t-shirt off and I wrap it around my head like a turban. And I also think, I mean, I think of MacGyver, you know, I loved MacGyver when I was a kid. I reckon, what would MacGyver have done? So he's going to catch um, the rainwater in the cotton, and then he can suck the cotton, you know, and then I'm getting fresh water. It was so dumb, because every time a wave came, it just washed over me. So it was just salt water. But now I'm there, and I run out of energy. And I had a belt on, on, on in my short. And I try to write a message to my family. I, I don't want my wife to not know what happened. So I'm lying in the water, trying to lie with these waves smashing over me, writing, I was going to write, accident slipped, goodbye, I love you. So I'm trying to write this in my skin. It's not very pleasant, let me tell you. It's the most terrible, terrible thing I've ever done. But it starts bleeding. And I suddenly go, oh my God, blood, sharks are going to come. They're going to eat you. No one's going to read this damn message. So I chuck my belt away. And the most radical thing, I pat my back pocket. Mike, and I'll see if i got one here. In my back pocket, I have got this little plastic pouch. So when we, when we all flew into Jakarta, we stayed at the, the airport hotel. And I booked a room because we were all coming in at different times. I booked a room so we could all have a shower and, and freshen up because we'd all been traveling 50, 60 hours. And I'd paid for the room. So I had the card key. We'd nearly missed our flight. So we dashed out of that room and I just stuck this in my back pocket. And it was still in the shorts. So I packed my back pocket and I found this thing. And, I, and I'm treading water and I've got this 
plastic pouch in my hand and this card. And I think of Mugabe again, and I reckon, okay, the sun's going to come up. There are going to be helicopters. There are going to be boats looking for me. I can use this to reflect the sun, a helicopter pilot, Morse code. I, I mean, so I don't know if you ever saw, I mean, you, 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 we kind of the same age, um, Tom Hanks in Castaway. Remember his little Wilson, that, that volleyball? Yes, yes. This becomes my, my volleyball. I think this thing's going to save my life. I put it in my back pocket. And I think when the helicopters come and the planes come, I'm going to do this. I'm going to flash. They're going to see me. And I get this piece of plastic with the, with, the, with the room number on it and everything. And I throw it in front of me like this. No, no use for this. And this thing lands in front of me and literally moves at this speed. And I go, current, current, current. And this is what saved my life. I, I had been swimming. And I had something I didn't know at the time, but I found out. When you're on a massive expanse of water, be it, be it a lake or a, a river or a current or an ocean or whatever, if the current is going that way and your body's floating here, because your head and shoulders are the heaviest part of your body, you will automatically, the current will turn your body to face the current because your legs and your, your hips will do that. So you're swimming, the current will just push you. So your body, if you're swimming that way, because you hit your body is the heaviest part, your legs will swing like that and you'll end up facing into the current. So I've been swimming against this current. This current was traveling at two and a half kilometers per hour. And that's why they didn't find me because it took me 72K. So what's that? 40, 45 miles. 40 miles in the ocean, this current took me and it changed direction. So it went in this big curve. Anyway, I see this thing going that way and I suddenly go, current, thank God, because I've got no land reference. I can't see it. It's just waves and water. I'm 100 miles out to sea. So I take this thing and I swam off to it. I'll tell you, I grabbed this thing. And it, I honestly believe this piece of plastic saved my life because every time I got tired, I took my paper out, chucked it back in the water, watched where the current was going, and then swam off in that direction again because I, my body had turned. So 12 hours to the hour in the ship's log, it's recorded. I'm swimming along. I'm singing songs. And people say, how bad was it? I mean, it was horrific. Uh, there's no words to say it was good. But I'm so, I've got my mind so focused on not thinking about my predicament. I'm thinking about every person I've met in my life. Good, bad, indifferent, ugly. I went back to when I was three years old and met my, remembered my nursery school teacher. And started having a conversation. I had conversations with everybody I'd met. 12 years on, I mean, 12 hours on, I'm only in like grade five at school. I'm still talking to folks. And, and I'm swimming along and I look up and I see this boat coming. And this boat's coming. And I go, it's my boys. And it is my boat. And they pull up. I don't think they stopped 200 yards. Not even 200 yards away from me. They stop. I'm now here. They over there. I'm at the bow of the boat. I'm right up at the front. The boat's there. And I can see two of my mates standing there. And I start screaming. And I scream and I scream. And it looks like they're looking at me, but there's no action. There's all this action at the back of the boat. And I think, what are they doing? Then I think, clever skipper. It's a 65-foot boat. He doesn't want to bring it up to me because he won't be able to control it. I could get smashed by the boat. So they're going to send the, the rescue boat to me. 
So I see all this action. The current takes me to the middle of the boat, then to the back of the boat. I can see my mates looking at me and I am screaming. I am screaming. What I didn't know was that the rain was coming from behind me. And it was very, I mean, it was a hectic storm. So the rain is lashing. But because it's coming from behind me, I can see that way. My peripheral vision is not. They can't see it there. They are on the top of the boat looking down into the sea. So they're getting the rain in their eyes. So they're only looking like around the boat. Yes. And I, I, I realized they, they haven't seen me. And I put my head down and I swim, buddy. I swim with everything I've got. I'm now looking at this boat. I'm at the back of the boat. I start swimming. And all I heard was this rumbling noise in the ocean. And I looked up and I just saw these two puffs of black smoke and they sailed away again. Oh. And let me tell you, I thought I'd had a meltdown when I found myself in the ocean. When I saw that boat sail away, yo, buddy, I tell you what, seven years on there, there's no worse moment in my life as that moment when I, and I just knew then I was not going to be rescued. It's not a shipping channel. It's not a, is the only boats that go across there are surf charter boats and the odd supply boat taking some supplies, water, rice, uh, food to, to the islands. And they, my mate sailed away and they carried on all the way back to where we started, turned around and then retraced their steps. So I, I knew this was it. I, I'm not going to be rescued. I have to get to land. I have to swim. I have to just, and so I just, I just kept swimming. So I swam through, that was 2.30 in the afternoon. It's in the ship's log where they stopped. So I swam through the balance of that day. Then the night came and I just thought, I cannot, I cannot swim through. I cannot swim through another night. It's too dark. It's too scary. And it was so weird. It was actually jellyfish. I, I, these jellyfish, I was swimming along. Did you see that movie, Life of Pi? Yes. Yes. Remember that movie when the kid is in the, with the tiger in the boat? And he sees all these purple things floating along. They're like lanterns. Those are big jellyfish. And I saw them and I was swimming to them. And I was so happy because I knew how I was going to die. And that was my biggest thing. You know, I, I knew I was going to die. I just didn't know how or when and what was going to kill me. So I see these jellyfish and I think, okay, this is how I die. I take one and I put it on my head. I get another one and I just ram it down my throat. I mean, the, I, and then I just hold one on my throat and it'll just sting me to death. And let me tell you, our will as human beings to survive is unprecedented. No one, no one, you cannot, you, it's nothing you can measure. It's nothing you can um, check on. It's nothing you can work out. It's just inherent in us. We, we, our, our will to survive. Is, I remember swimming into those things and I was so committed to putting one on my head, one in my throat, in my mouth, and one on my throat. And as those things started stinging me, I mean, the pain, I, I was grabbing them and I was just throwing them left, right. I can still hear the plop, plop. And I was talking to them. I was screaming at jellyfish, Mark. I was saying, I won't use the expletives I used. I used some language that, Man alive, there's not, a, there's not a movie on this planet that would <laughs> compete for the, the language I used. And suddenly, I, yeah, I mean, I was just stung. But, but the doctors reckoned afterwards, that was one of the things that saved me because my body was so tired. I mean, my extremity. So another thing is your blood starts all moving 
from your fingertips and your feet, your blood, the blood starts going up to your, your um, vitals to protect your heart and your lungs and your intestines and stuff like that, your pancreas, your liver, your kidney. So I remember my hands were just, my fingers were getting bigger and bigger. And they were like, you know, granny, when you've been in a bath for so long, those granny fingers. But mine were, you can see in the book there, I mean, my fingers were looked, they looked like these big bloated sausages with these. In fact, there were times where I bumped my fingers together and bits of skin would just come off, you know. Now I'm swimming along and I'm stung. I, I, I hallucinated a lot as well. I mean, I saw stuff that I know wasn't real. I saw these little kids in this boat paddle up to me. I heard them speaking to me saying, Mr. Brett, Mr. Brett, we save you. We come save you. I remember swimming to that boat and the doctors reckoned by now I was completely dehydrated. I was hallucinating and I was falling asleep. I mean, it was for a brief second, but I'm swimming and I'm, this is coming to my mind. And if, if these things hadn't happened, I would have just drifted and fallen asleep and sunk to the bottom. But like these kids, they paddled up to me in this wooden canoe. And I remember going to grab the bow of the canoe. And as my hand did that, my head hit the water and I, I woke up and I looked around. There was no boat there. I also saw a Dutch East 1630-foot pirate boat. I mean, 1634 pirate boat. They were shouting at me, swim, young man, swim. And I remember, I still hear today, they threw a rope ladder down the side of this boat and went, pow, pow, pow. I remember swimming to that ladder and grabbing and, and there was nothing there, nothing there. Yeah, and I just swam. I mean, I, I, I don't know how I did it. I created a company in my mind. I, I named my left nostril Emily, my right nostril Hillary. This was marketing, this was sales. And my mouth was Bob. Bob was production. And I was the CEO and I had these board meetings all the time with these four people and I kept, and you know, it's so funny. I mean, I told you about coincidences. When my skipper went to tell the port authority that I was missing, he didn't know my whole, he didn't, he couldn't, he'd only met me and then we'd all gone to bed. So he only knew me as Brett. So I'm registered in the port authority in Tourpajet as Brett Overboard acronym Bob. So all the blokes on the radio, when the radio, they, was, they just referred to me as Bob. So I'm talking to Bob. I'm having these conversations. I remember this guy. I won't use the girls' voices, but I remember having these conversations saying, okay, what is, okay, come on, Hillary, sales, sales. What does a sales company need? Sales is about numbers. How do we, what are we going to work for our numbers? And she was saying, Brett, just count, boss, count, count. I was going 1,001, 1,002 counting my strokes, pull my legs, pull my arms, kick my legs, 1,001, 1,002. Emily, marketing, what is marketing? What is a good company? Like, what, no boss, you, this company needs enthusiasm. It needs, we need good billboards, we need music. Come on, sing. And I was singing songs. I mean, it was, the, it was crazy, crazy. And I was talking to Bob, I hear Bob had this big voice. Said, Bob, boss, I just heard him shouting me, boss, boss, lift your head up, lift your head up. And I was saying, Bob, I can't, I cannot lift my head up anymore. He said, boss, production can't work. I, I can't breathe. The legs are strong. The lungs are strong. Lift your head up, you asshole. I remember lifting my head up like this and going, and I saw these stars. The, I thought they were stars in the ocean. And they were actually villages. We worked it out afterwards. So it was a light. You know, it's jungle there. So it was a light in a village in the jungle over there. And then another one, it was still 27 miles away. 
So I, but I, I thought, oh, I can swim there. I can swim there. And I swam and I swam and a current took me past the first light, the second light, the third light. And in my mind, in that picture behind you, I thought I'd been sucked down that channel and I was now in the big sea. And you know, the most, the, the most terrible thing happened. I, I, I saw my boat and each one of my mates stepped down onto the back. There was a big transom on the back. And each of them, and they were all hallucinations, but I remember swimming to them and going to grab their hand and there was nothing there. And then the, the doctor said I was making this up in my head and then I'd wake up and I'd been falling asleep. But the last guy, the last guy who stepped down, I remember going to grab his hand and I looked at him and I, and I just shook my head and I said, Craig, you're not here to say goodbye. You're here to, I mean, you're not here to rescue me. You're here to say goodbye. And he just nodded. And I was at such peace, Mark. I, I just... I, I let go. And I just remember going down, down, down. I said my goodbyes to my wife, my kids, my mum. And I mean, this was probably the eighth time I'd done it. And I just, I was cramping so badly. And as I, it was the weirdest thing. I was going down, I was so at peace. This is what, I'm going to drown and it's going to be so easy. And I'm going down, down, down. And you know what was interesting? My ears started getting sore. And I'm thinking, ah, because I'm going down so deep now, my, my, the pressure on my ears, I need to equalize. Yes, okay. So I grab my nose and I'm equalizing. I'm blowing my ears out, blowing my ears. And I'm thinking, that is so bizarre. You, you're equalizing. You're dying, Brett. Just relax. And my brain went literally into fire and just said, screw this, buddy. You're not. You've got to fight. You've got to fight. You saw land. Anyway, I claw my way to them. I'm swimming to the top. My ears are pinging and bouncing. and My head breaks the surface and it's daytime. How night became day, I have no idea. But it's daytime. I can see two islands. I get so excited. I'm now, I can do this. I look at the first island. It's close. I thought it was close. It was 20 miles away. But I start swimming towards that island and then I realize I start cramping and I go, check, check the current, take my little piece of paper, do my current. That's swimming. The closer island was swimming into the current. I turn around, I look at the far island. I think I can swim here. And I start swimming and I get so excited because it's such a calm day. It's just perfect conditions. The sea is flat. There's going to be fishing boats. And I swim, I turn around in the water and I see this damn fishing boat. Little guy, I can hear the guys fishing. And I try and shout to them and nothing comes out. I just, ah! And my tongue was the size of a, of a lemon, of a big lime. You know, my mouth was, my tongue was so swollen from all the salt water. So I can't make any noise. I think I'll just swim up to them. I've got a very uh, macabre sense of humor. So I start swimming toward this boat thinking, this is it. I'm going to climb on this boat and they're going to get such a fright. And I got so close. I could see these little guys. I could see the one guy reeling his line in. And as I got there, I heard this. It sounded like a tractor. This bang. And this engine started up and they sailed away. And I just looked at them and just went, no, 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 no. And I, I, I'm not very proud of it, but at that moment, I just sunk to the bottom of the ocean, fought that, and I, I had nothing left. And I made a conscious effort to end my life. I actually decided I was going to drown myself. And it was so stupid because there, there were going to be lots of boats, but I just had nothing left. I remember my body cramping so badly that my, 
my my glutes and my and my hamstrings curled so tight that my heels were on my buttocks, and I was trying to push my legs down. But by doing that, I couldn't keep my my body up, so I just keep sinking, like going down, and then I claw my way up, and then try and stretch my legs, and I and I just couldn't. I just said, "Screw it! I'm I'm going to end it." And I and I actually. Try to put my face in the water and just fill my lungs with water and I couldn't. So I went down. I just went down. I remember lying on my back. It was the most beautiful, beautiful day. I still see this image and all this. I was probably a meter, two, two yards. I mean, yeah, I don't know, two meters, a meter under the water. And, I, and I, it was so calm. It was like looking through a mirror glass. And I had my arms out like this and I just said all my goodbyes again. And I took this massive breath of water like and it's so amazing we can swallow water i filled my lungs with water we've got a gag reflex that stops us doing that but if you get it past the gag reflex and my mind was just you're gonna end your life now and i got this water past my lungs and i breathed out and interestingly this is another thing that saved my life breathing out the water gone into my lungs now it's warmed up in my body because all my blood is now my arms, my fingers, my toes are white, 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 white. And the water in my lungs warms. It comes out the salt water. But during the night while I was swimming, I'd started I'd, hypothermia, which is another crazy thing. Hypothermia at Seddon. Hypothermia is, not, is irreversible unless your body gets warmed again. I was at one stage swimming with my, pulling with my right hand and I was holding in my eye sockets with my left, with these two fingers and my thumb underneath my jaw. And I was clamping it to stop my teeth chattering because my tongue was so big and I was biting chunks of my tongue off. Now I'm breathing as warm water out of my lungs and it is so sore. I'm going, ah, ah, ah. Anyway, Brett, you're killing yourself. The end. Breathe in again, breathe out. Ah, ah, ah. The third time I did it, I just remember my brain frying and just going, what are you doing? By this stage, the sea is calm. They're going to be boats. Fight, boy, fight. I remember clawing my head, just pulling my back. But it wasn't deep, so getting back to the surface and I just vomiting and all this water coming out of my lungs. And I saw a black cross, a little black cross coming on the water. And I actually, I actually said, God, shove that where it fits best. I'm not interested, you know. And what it was, was the, the top of the mast of a boat called the Baron Joey. His yacht was sailing to me. They were under power, so they didn't have their sails up, and it was just the top of the boat, and it got closer and closer, and then I saw a guy on the front, and he was pointing left and right, and they were coming, and, and I, I, just, I actually decided I'm not getting excited. I'm not getting, I'm not going to, because I can't, I cannot have face another, another um, disappointment. And they came so close, and then they turned away, but they only turned one degree to starboard. And I remember asking the skipper, I'll tell you that story in a bit, but they turned away from me and I just went, no, it cannot happen. And I made a pact with myself, which was so interesting. I, I, in the water, I said, you know what? I'm going to put my head down and I'm going to swim to the count of 300 in the direction that they've turned. And I'm not going to lift my head up. And one of two things, I'm going to lift my head up at count of 300 and one of two things will happen. They will be there and I'll be rescued. Or they won't be there and I'll have exhausted myself and I'll just sink down. And I put my head down, Mark, and I thought I was a dolphin. I thought I was, I thought I was swimming like Michael Phelps, man. I was swimming, I was swimming, I was counting 
299, 300, I lifted my head and that damn boat was right there and I screamed. I thought I said, hey chaps, over here. When I got on board, I said, guys, did you hear me screaming? They said, yeah, mate, we thought there was a wounded buffalo in the ocean. <laughs> they just heard this bellow of noise and the guy, I remember seeing him turn because he was looking to the right. He turned and he saw me and he just stood up and screamed. And then this boat came and they turned towards me. And they said I came out the water like a water polo goalie. And I remember that. I remember going, coming out and just saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, as I went back in the water. And as I went back into the water, I think that that effort to come out and just wave and scream and shout, I think I'd used my last bit of energy. And my entire body went into a cramp. And I was just sinking. I just went straight down. And as my eyes went under the water, the last thing I saw was this bloke just running and diving off the front, off the bow of their boat. But by then I was gone. So I didn't see him hit the water and I was just going down. And I, and I remember thinking, how ironic is this? I've survived. I didn't know what time it was. It was 7.15 a.m. on the second day now. I, I remember going down and just saying to my wife, I said, baby, I, I, I tried. I, I said, how ironic is I'm this close. I can see land, there's a boat here, and they're not going to get to me in time. And as I was thinking that, this, this arm just came under my arms here. This arm just came, like, I mean, this guy just came in from behind me, arm, and my, my, my downward um, sinking just stopped. And then next minute, I was going back up in the water. And as my head broke the surface, his head was here, and he just said, we've got you, mate, we've got you. And he was a lifeguard. He, that was he, that's his permanent job in Australia. And he'd seen me. He realized I'd gone into cramp and he knew the boat wouldn't get there in time. And they'd thrown me a buoy and I didn't even make an attempt to get to the buoy. And that's why he just dived overboard. And he also knew the, 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 the lifesaver lift and he just got his arm and then he pulled me back up and then they all dived in and I ran up that nine-foot nine ladder. I was shouting, Aussie, 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 I love you guys. I'm coming to live in Australia. <laughs> and I was rescued, man. I, I survived. And this crazy, crazy man called Doris, had, he just, he'd heard that I was missing at sea. He went, and, and it's so weird. I mean, his best friend died on the morning I fell overboard. He was dying of cancer. He knew he was dying. And uh, he was going to fly back and be with him in Australia. The, in, in Australia, he was flying back on the Friday. This is Wednesday. And, and he couldn't get there. And his, the guys on his boat said it was almost like he couldn't save his mate. So he was going to save me no matter what. Wow. And he went out into that sea, into that storm, despite the Port Authority saying he cannot go. He went out in a tin boat. And, and fortunately, I got on board a boat that had two doctors, two doctors, and that same lifeguard that dived in for me went on that boat with him. And they said he was like a man possessed. He was just, I've got to find this guy. I've got to find him. Anyway, long story, they were out for eight hours and then they were called back because of the severity of the storm. And at four o'clock the next morning, when they were about to sail, he looked, now it's a perfect day, looked overboard and he saw a whole bunch of coconuts and they were going the wrong way. The current had changed because of the storm. So he just sailed in the direction of the coconuts. He knew I'd be on the current. And he literally sailed straight up to me. Three hours later, he nearly rode me over, put me on board and wow. saved my life. Wow. Yeah. It's a crazy story.
But I'm here to tell it and share it, and it's a beautiful thing. God bless Life you. Is good. Welcome back, Brad Archibald. Welcome hey, to the world. happy to be here, man. My God, what a, I, mean, I, couldn't, I couldn't ask a question. I was just like frozen because I'm so riveted by this. The story is so, is so intense, and, and, and every single breath and stroke that you took, and now you, you're, you're going around to, to audiences. Or we had a little chat before. Now you're yep. doing webinars and, and virtual events and sharing your story with organizations and companies. Um, tell, tell me this, uh, the comment I made before we started, which was how the whole world is at now lost at sea. I think yes. this is a great story for, for people who have lost hope. I mean, how many times I counted that you lost hope in your yes. saga and how, how many of us today would last in the water an hour. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, and and the and the will that you had to fight and and the the you know the visualizations that you had about the the messages from your daughter and and the words of counsel from your wife and all the big reasons to to not give up and to continue to yeah. go and knowing that at the same time you're having a financial meltdown with a company and that you're going to have to put up with that and you know what somebody could say on the other side, well, you know, maybe this is the easy way out. I won't have to deal with any of this. And here we go. And you saw yourself being written off. This is the place I'm going to die. Oh, thankfully. Oh, thank you. It's going to be the jellyfish you're going to do me in. And you actually made that kind of contract. And you're just an amazing story. You didn't tell us about the shark. I did read about it. I heard about it. That he bumped you. I mean, the shark, the shark. that would never frighten anybody. I think in the water, you know, in the middle of nowhere, having a shark as a companion. Oh, so you're pretty I good there. I was. I. It was. It was late afternoon. My boat had left. Now I was the sea had calmed down a little bit, and I think I'd fallen asleep because my my wife was tickling my back. It was just so amazing, and she's a great back tickler. And I remember I've just got a pair of board shorts on, and I what I didn't know is the back of my knees. Is one of the softest parts of, of the flesh on the body. And because of my ball shorts, I'm just doing this, this uh, breaststroke and kicking my legs. The, the, the hem of these shorts had worn the, the back of my legs away. And what was, what was biting me was this whole shoal of little silver fish. They were nibbling my skin. I remember when we worked in, 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 the, in Asia, I remember in my Japanese office, we had people, women used to pay a fortune to put their feet in a, in, in a bucket full of fish. Yes, yes, indeed. The dead, the dead skin off. So I wake up, I, I'm, I'm, well, I'm, I'm just, my body is being nibbled. What had happened, they'd gone from nibbling, that was what I thought was tickling, down to the raw flesh but behind my knees, and they start eating the raw flesh. That was not pleasant. I woke up to just find myself completely surrounded by these little silver fish darting all around me, my first thought was, I've got, to catch, I've got to catch one for dinner. You know, I've got to eat something. And next minute, they just move, like they do in the shoal. Poof, gone. And this thing hit me in my left kidney here. And I remember thinking, that is a barracuda, because they're prolific over there. You know, we, we, we fish a lot in the evenings, because you've got to catch fresh fish, otherwise you don't eat properly, you know? So I'm thinking, oh, it's a shoal of barracuda. And again, I had a negative thought, you know, I thought, well, a shoal of barracuda will strip my body. I mean, they are horrible looking fish. They will strip my body in seconds, you know? So, and then this thing hit me again, but it didn't, 
it didn't bump me. It nudged me and actually pushed me. And I thought, that's too big to be a barracuda. It's got to be a shark. And I'm thinking, no ways, man. It can't be a shark. Anyway, I take a breath and I go under and I'm filling around. I remember I'm filling around. And as I go around like this, I see this guy coming at me. And I just remember going, oh, my God. And at the same time that I saw him, I lifted my head like this. I said, buddy, please just hit me here. One bite, make it quick. And in that moment, and this is where I can tell you, and I'm, no, I'm no, nobody special, Mike. Every one of us, our brain fires on impulses. As I looked at that guy and said, hit me here, I saw his fin. And it was the fin of a black tip reef shark. I've dived lots all over the world. And it, it's, it wasn't, he wasn't even big. I don't think he was bigger than me, but magnified under the water, he looked like this giant red bus, you know? And I, in, in that split second of realizing that it's a reef shark, my brain went, there's got to be a reef nearby. And I didn't want him to bite me now and kill him, kill me. I wanted to catch him. And I remember saying, I'm going to catch you, buddy. I thought I could get out the way, throw my arms over him, just grab him and just get down to hold on his tail and he'll swim to a reef. I mean, it's bizarre. I've got a life coach. And when I was telling you the story, with, I'm not going, I'm going to catch you, buddy. This, my brain even worked this quickly. I remember I told you I'd thrown my belt away when I was scratching into my skin. In my mind, I went, damn, Brett, that was the dumbest thing to do because I knew I couldn't catch the guy. So as he came at me, I was going to throw my left arm into his mouth to take the bite. And then I'd throw my right arm over and just hang on. And I remember thinking, and then he'll take me to a reef. I don't know how I was going to get rid of the shark, but I was going to get rid of him. And then I'd, I'd be bleeding with my left arm, so I'd need a tourniquet. Why did you throw your belt away? I was saying this to myself in the water. Why did you throw your... And with a flick of his tail, that shark swam away. And I remember, I nearly started crying. I, I'm not joking. I, 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 I had this lump in my throat. I was saying, come back. Your butt, <laughs> your butt left. Yeah. Your bus took my, off. My, my ride to the reef left. And <laughs> I was like, oh. life coach, she said, she said, your life is, was bizarre. The fact you were crying because the shark was swimming away from you, not coming to eat you is just bizarre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's shark. But I can tell you, you know, to get back to your, your comment in today's world, the one thing I can tell you categorically is that I never, ever, 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 thought about material things. You know, I had these conversations and I mean, I talk about this in, the, in, in my book. I, I, I came out of this whole experience and I've, I've called it my three Fs, you know, my faith, my family and friends. And not once when I was in that ocean did I think about how much money I had in the bank, what house I lived in, yes. what car I drove. What I thought about was, was my relationship with God I thought about my relationship with my family, with my wife, my parents, every, I mean, I had, I was not close to my dad. I had conversation, he'd passed on in 97. I was, I had so many conversations with him. I talked to people that I'd fought with. I made a pact that I would never uh, spend time worrying about. I, I remember saying to myself, Brett, if you get through this, you're never going to worry about money again. And, and I was one of those. I mean, we all were in that industry. You know, I, I had a very high position in RCI and then we acquired by Wyndham and director of Wyndham hotels and resorts. It was a, it was a heady, amazing world, you know, 
never in the ocean did I worry about that stuff. And, and since then, God bless, I've been able to live that life. I don't ever think about that, Mike. I mean, obviously you think about it, but it never worries me anymore. And the weirdest thing, you know, I came back, I never went back to that company. It all folded and some of the staff came up with a great plan and they took it over and they've made a great success of it. They took the assets and the, and the, and the brand and it's just been, an, and I can tell you, when, when those three things that I talk about, my faith, my family and my friends, when those things are all in sync, my life is just so amazing. It is impossible to be in sync every day. I mean, it's, you're going you're gonna to have bad days. But I can tell you 90% of my life, and that's why, you know, I, I just, I've talked all over the world. I mean, I, this, 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 this thing catapulted me. And then COVID came along, and it was just interesting. I was thinking about it, and I was thinking about COVID. We were in, in, in incredible lockdown in South Africa. I don't know how you were in the US, but as much as we couldn't follow every state, in South Africa, we could not walk out of our homes. You were locked down. You could go twice a week to the store, get some food, and come home. There was no alcohol, no cigarettes. It was, I mean, it was like a draconian jail. I mean, it, I, my, my kids tried to take the dogs for a walk on the road. No one on the road. The police came along and wanted to arrest my kids. That's how radical it was. And I started thinking, you know, this... This people, and then I started talking to my neighbors and talking to my kids and my wife, and it is exactly what COVID's done to us. You know, I, that 28 and a half hours that I had in the ocean, I, as I said to you, I, I knew I was going to die. I just didn't know how or when. I mean, obviously in COVID, God bless, very few people die, but I mean, a lot of people have died. The frightening thought of thinking about that and knowing, I mean, what can I do? And just putting all the positive stuff in place. And that's what I keep talking about. You know, as you said, you, 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 human nature can give up. We, we can give up so easily, but you, it's about choice. Life's about choices. And it's making those choices to do the right thing, as tough as it is, as hard as you being smashed, as hard, hard as COVID is smashing, smashing us at the moment. I honestly believe in every challenge or hardship comes opportunity and and that's what COVID is bringing to so many so many people i mean i look at zoom we're talking on zoom now i mean zoom was almost an unknown 108 days ago i mean a few people use zoom now it's the most utilized platform for communication in the world sure. and and it's it's those kind of things you know and the valuation of the company is through the roof exactly Exactly. And we've all got to think outside the box. We've got to think differently to how we did things. Things, this is the new, the future is now. I mean, this is what the world's going to be. Please God, we don't all have to walk around with masks on and every, and they find a vaccine and a, and a, and a, and, a, and they're going to, I mean, we, we are so, the human, human species is so clever. We will find a vaccine. We, this will get sorted out. Yes. A lot of people have already died. I mean, it's tragic. And I think in South Africa, we haven't even seen, we still got to go through the Italy of, of what Italy went through and Spain and those places, New York, I, we, that's still coming to us. But at the same time, I can tell you that my, my relationship with my wife, with my kids, with my friend, even though I haven't seen my friends, they having Skype calls, Zoom calls, 
you know, I've simplified my life so much more than it used to be. And I've realized, I mean, the things that I used to think were important and we needed are just, just things. It's such a waste. I mean, I've cleaned my garage out. I've cleaned boxes out. And you look at this stuff and we, we collect stuff and we have stuff. And, you know, I knew I was going to die. And I promised myself I would never, ever worry about stuff again. And I really try hard not to. And that, I guess, at the end of the day is probably my most poignant and hard messages that I can give. That so much of things, so many things out there is just stuff. And if you can wake up every morning and, and I can tell you honestly, it doesn't matter how much you try. You can't have more than five truly important things. And if you can just try and deal with those seriously important things in your life every single day, your day is going to be a great day. It's just, that's how it is. And, and I really try and live my life like that. And it's just been, it's been a blessing and an amazing journey to be able to do that. You know, I mean, it's not, as I said earlier, it's not always perfect, but it's perfect enough to make me reflect. You know, I reflect every single day. I look at that ocean and I pinch myself because I should not, I should not be sitting here having this conversation with you, but I am. And I'm never going to let myself get pulled down into that quagmire of chasing wealth, chasing fast cars, chasing stuff that really, at the end of the day, means absolutely nothing. I can tell you this, because when you know your, when your time has come, you don't think about that stuff. My time came for 28 and a half hours to the point where I tried to end it myself because it wasn't coming. <laughs> and never once did I ever think about that material garbage that we all chase and put up on altars and stuff that we think is so important, you know? Can you give us this great takeaway of faith, family, and friends? Those are the things that matter most. Yeah, that's for me, that's what it is, you know? And, I really say to people, find those three F's, whatever they are for you, and live your life by them. And I promise you, your life will be a better place if you think about them, the things that are truly important to you. And I really, I, I, I try to do that. I don't get it right all the time. And I'm not a, I, I can't say that my life's perfect, but I can tell you that it's pretty damn good. Yeah. Brent, it's uh, amazing to have you on today in this in this, uh, with telling and sharing the story, uh, I want to say that what you what you did, most people would consider an impossible feat to to do what you did, and and that you actually proved that you know somehow deep down inside all of us we have a mechanism, and that you proved that you are possible, that I'm possible, is yeah. a is a real real thing. Today you also have a foundation. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, so interestingly, I was always in my in my career days. I was always involved with Crystal House. Uh, you 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 knew Crystal Dahan, and I just thought what she did. I fundamentally believe that the only way out of abject poverty is education, and and that was Crystal's mantra and what she did. So I was very involved in Crystal House for many many years, and and even when I came back to South Africa, I was on the board of Crystal House, and. When this whole thing happened, I actually formed a foundation 
because I wrote a book. Well, I didn't write a book. I had, a, I, I had this book in my head. I knew there was a story here. And interestingly, I, this book only came about because I, my kids were nine and six at the time, and I knew they could not comprehend the enormity of what had happened to our family. So I'd written. Well, I was on the, on the Australian boat for seven hours waiting for my guys to catch up to me. And I just started writing, Mike, and I filled this entire book, which became the actually became the um, the back backbone of of our book alone. And just through that, I made a pact to to donate portions of, of of my speaking tour and my book sales. And interestingly, there's a movie in the pipeline. I I uh, I was flown to America. No surprise! No surprise after hearing this. I can imagine. Yeah, I, I know you don't want to star in it. No, 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 no. I certainly don't. I definitely don't. But um, yeah, I was very, very privileged to. In fact, I was the last man, last human ever interviewed by Matt Lauer on the NBC Today show before he was ceremony, unceremoniously um, let go. And just from that, from that uh, TV show in in New York. Um, Hollywood just went mad. And I, at the time I had eight, eight offers out of Hollywood to make a movie of, of our story. And it was only, I, it's been a long journey. I mean, it was 2017 that I started negotiations. We only really wrapped 2018 and we only really wrapped the deal up at the beginning of this year. So, and then COVID hit. So, so there's an option there. There's a deal in the pipeline. Um, obviously right at the beginning stages the, the the structure and the and the um script writers structuring it at the moment so but i really think it's a story i spent some time in hollywood in last year and in 2018 and it was quite interesting to see hollywood's move towards um true life stories you know i i saw a lot of if you look at guys like mark Wahlberg, um um Matt Damon, a lot of a lot of that that kind of middle-aged guys, actors and and actresses, well, actors, the ladies as well, are, are looking at. I just think the globe is the world is tired of made-up rubbish, you know, and there are so many amazing stories out there. This mine being one of them. That I'm just a normal guy, man. I was just a normal bloke going off for a surf trip with. Nine of his best mates, man, and I fell overboard and went through the worst thing. And as you say, you know, we 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 as human nature it was so interesting because one of our top sports scientists was contacted on the radio and when they found out I was missing, and he was asked how long is he didn't know me and the and the and the radio guy didn't know me. And they said, How long has this guy gone? And he said, Well, he got a bit of background on me. I was 50 years old, uh, two kids, wife, um, wasn't especially fit, um, but but did a bit of cycling and surfing is my, my favorite hobby. And but I had a job every day, you know, I could only surf on weekends. So he actually said on national radio, he said, Look, this guy's got 10 to 12 hours. If he was an Olympi Olympiad or Olymp Olympic athlete, maybe 16 hours, but then the body just not going to be able to sustain, you know, if he's still swimming, if he's not collected, he's going to, and it was so funny, you know, my blood pressure was 64 over 48 when I was found. 
And, the, and I remember saying to the doctors, I said, guys, how, long, how much longer did I have? And, you know, because I could see that land and in my mind, I was going to swim to that land. And he said, you know, at that blood pressure, and I mean, you, you'll look in the book at the pictures and that, I mean, my, my, all my extremities were just pure white. I mean, my blood, the blood in my system was just all centered around my heart. And, and he said, Brett, you literally, at that blood pressure, you would have been swimming along and your heart would have been going, would have gone, ba-boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. And he said, it just would have stopped. You wouldn't even know. You would have just sunk to the bottom. I said, how long? He said, look, I gave you 10 hours. He said, it's impossible to tell. But he said, it would not have been longer than another half hour. Uh, considering your blood pressure, and you would have just sunk to the bottom. Uh, so, yeah, there we have it, man. Crazy, crazy story. But the miracle at sea. Brett Archibald. It is. It is. I'm, I'm, I am a living walking miracle but i can tell you that because i should not be here i should not be here but i am and i'm going to make the most of every single day it's been fantastic talking to you after so long we can do this again uh, we'll just we'll start a series mj yes absolutely I'm and in. i love i love i love i love your your slogan i'm possible because i'm telling you in impossible is what it was and separate those two and we all possible i'm possible i was possible and i'm blessed to be here i'm blessed to being on your show buddy god bless you and bless bless to your family stay Thank safe you, brett you know well the, the sharks didn't get you the jellyfish didn't get you the weather didn't get you the boat didn't get you the coke didn't get you the pizza didn't get you COVID didn't get you we'll come back we'll have another time God bless. <laughs> Take care, Brett Archibald. Take care, buddy. The Thank book you. is a long, ladies and gentlemen, along with Brett Archibald. Check it out. Thank you for joining The Real Mission. We welcome you to explore the next real mission on Possible with Coach MJ. Meet ordinary people who have achieved the extraordinary. Like, share, and comment to inspire others today. 